Hi, and welcome to the Audacious Health Podcast, where we dive into the wholehearted and imperfect cultivation of our own well-being and the health of our communities. No quick fixes, no shortcuts, just honest conversations to challenge and inspire you to maximize your potential right where you are. Hi, friends. I am your host, Chauncey Carroll, and I'm excited to introduce you to my good friend, Sarah Reeves. Besides being an amazing human, Sarah has her master's in social work, MSW, and works every day with kids in crisis through a local school district in town. In her spare time, she has also volunteered for many years for two national organizations that work with underserved youth, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Royal Family Kids. I also have to throw this in there. Sarah and I share a deep affinity for all things Jurassic Park, Queer Eye, and Backstreet Boys. So, hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, I love that those are three things that we share. I love that so much. Those are three of my greatest joys in life, and I love that I share them with you. Thank you. I don't know what that says about us necessarily. Maybe that we were 90s kids. and We're 90s kids and we have great taste. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> More about Backstreet Boys later for yes. sure because we're going to come back to that. We have to. Oh, yeah. We will. <laughs> but um, tell me just a little bit about like your job and what a typical week looks like for you. Uh, sure. So I work for a school district serving in the capacity of a school social worker, although we have a different title so that it's a little more family friendly. I'm a community engagement advocate and I work at seven different schools. I partner Whoa. with seven different schools, K through 12. So I work oh with gosh. all age all age ranges. And I like to describe my job as it is my ultimate job is to help kids be more successful Mm. and a lot of times helping kids be successful means connecting either them or their family to community resources so that they can have an easier time because anything that's impacting a kid out of school affects them in school so anything going on with their family is impacting their ability to perform at school so I tell when I have to introduce myself to a parent Mm. I tell them my job is to support their kid and to help them be more successful with the ultimate goal of graduating whoa so K through 12, yeah. that is a lot of ages and it, a lot of it is. development stages. It is. It's a lot of, no two days look the same ever. Um, a typical week, I don't know what a typical week looks like. I'm in and out of all of those buildings. Generally, I spend a lot of time at my high school because it has the most students mm. and therefore the most need. And I spend a lot of time at two different elementary schools. They're Title I schools, so they're low-income families Mm. and have a lot of uh, just different and unique needs. So I spend a lot of time in those buildings. So my typical weeks always include at least those three. And then kind of in and out and all crisis support for the district. Um, My team is responsible for responding to any and all crises across our full district. Wow. Yeah. And just anything that pops up, really. We're there for it. We joke that we're the, like, if something's kind of weird, that's probably our department. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Wow. That is an all-encompassing job. And it has got to be pretty overwhelming at times. It can be, but I kind of love it. I think I would get bored if it was the same thing every day. Sure. Yeah. You get a lot of variety. Like you said, seven different schools. Seven different buildings. Seven different so buildings. So seven different groups of kids. Wow. Um, and it's really fun because sometimes... 
when you're in elementary school, they're really cute, but you get frustrated with like their inability to fully communicate (laughs) or like behaviors are very different. And then you can go to the high school and have an adult conversation. But then when the high schoolers are kind of snotty, you can go back down and hang out with (laughs) kindergartners. So it gives me a good balance. Oh, that's good. But you haven't always done this. You worked at Compassion International for a long time. Yeah, I was there for about eight and a half years. Wow. So what spurred you to go back and get your MSW? I think I always wanted to do something that was helping other people, and I didn't know exactly what that would look like. Um, I graduated from CSU. Go Rams! We also share that in common. Just a side note that Sarah and I are also (laughs) CSU alumni. And I graduated in 09, which was one of the worst years to graduate college because of the recession. Mm. Oh, yeah. And so I thought I was going to go into the Peace Corps, but they were on a hiring freeze. Oh, wow. And I didn't know what else to do. And I ended up at Compassion, and I loved the mission of supporting children in poverty Mm. globally and working with them to um, just provide basic needs for families. But I was not meant for a desk job. Mm. And I was sitting at a desk a lot. And really the biggest catalyst to moving into social work was volunteering for Royal Family Kids. Um, I started volunteering there, I think, about eight years ago. Wow. And that's another thing we share. Our first year was the same year there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know, um, can you give us a little snapshot of what Royal Family Kids is? Yeah. So Royal Family Kids is a national organization, and they do two main programs. They do a summer camp and a mentoring program. And the population that we focus on is children in foster care, ages 6 through 12. So the summer camp is how I got involved at first. And you just take a group of local foster kids to camp and you give them an entire week of childhood, (laughs) like as much as you possibly can, all shoved into one week, because we don't know what the day-to-day lives of these kids look Mm. like. But we know they didn't have a, like a stereotypical joyful childhood if they're in the foster care system. They've missed a lot of those pieces. Mm. So the goal of Royal Family Kids Camp is to give them as much of that as you can in one week and just love on them as extravagantly as possible Mm. in that amount of time. And then the mentoring program is an extension of that. It's kids from camp who are mentored um, through, is it September through May? Yeah. Through the school year. And you get to continue a relationship with them and spend um, four-ish hours a month just pouring into the same kids. Yeah, I've had the privilege of working with Sarah a lot with Royal Family Kids, and it's true. I mean, it's amazing what when you actually hear their stories, like what's going on behind the scenes. And I, for an example, one of the things I love that we do at Royal Family with a summer camp is the birthday party. Oh, yeah. And, you know, on a Thursday, I think it's like it's everyone's birthday that day. So you wake up and you say, happy birthday to everyone, and <laughs> to they get their everyone. own cake. And I think it... What struck me is a lot of kids don't even know what their actual birthday is. Yeah, or they've never had a birthday party. They've never had a birthday cake. So, And I love – I don't think it's at every single royal family across the country, but I know Mm. ours here in El Paso County, um, every single kid gets a cake with their name on it. I love that. And it's beautiful. And it's a homemade cake, and they can do pretty much whatever they want with it. Um, some of them yes. eat it all really quickly. Some of it smash it. Inside it. Out. Yep. <laughs> they smash their faces in it. They, it's, it's the messiest day ever, but it's, it's so fun. It's the best. And then yeah. they all get a big birthday party, and they all get gifts, and they just get to know how special they are and just have that acknowledgement. So royal family kids working or volunteering there um, – 
I realized I just wanted to do something more hands-on. I wanted to work with youth in our community more directly. Like, I loved the work that Compassion was doing, Mm. but it was too far away. I couldn't really see it. I wasn't directly involved, and I wanted to be more boots on the ground. Mm. So I was talking to some other volunteers for Royal Family, and one of them just asked me one day, like, why aren't you a social worker? You clearly have a passion for this, and you would be good at it. And Mm. I thought about it for a while, and I realized that she was probably right. That seemed like it would really align with what I wanted to do and the kind of work I valued. And so I went back and got my MSW so I could shift and do more local work. That's amazing. So, yeah, it really was royal family and having, yeah. like you said, that volunteering, seeing those kids day to day that made you realize yeah. I can actually do this as a career. Yeah, it was getting to know those kids and like learning all the different aspects of their life and knowing like I could be a part of that on yeah. a more direct and regular basis. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know that in your current role, you work with teachers, with police officers, with parents, with you know, uh, at school administrators, yeah. when that's functioning really well, what does that collaboration look like at its best? Oh, at its best, which unfortunately I don't think we always get to see mm. it at its best, yeah, but sure. when it's working really well, um, it looks like everybody coming to the table, putting their defenses aside, mm. lowering their guard and putting away their bias and just being open and honest and acknowledging that we're all there on behalf of a kid who Mm. needs help, Mm. who really needs support. Um, A kid who doesn't know, you know, their brains aren't developed. They don't have the life experience. Grownups hold kids to standards that maybe aren't 100% fair. Mm. Um, And so it's the adult's job to help support a kid through a situation. And generally, if we're in a situation where all of those people are at the same table, something Mm. has gone wrong. Sure. Um, But then it's just everybody putting away their own ego and acknowledging like we're here for this kid and how can we help? What can we do together to support this student, this family, this situation? Yeah, I think that's cool because you all do bring a different perspective and a different background. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes drastically <laughs> yes. to to the table, but like you said, you all have that goal of like making the kids successful and hopefully at some point even if things get really messy in the middle you can come back to that at the end of the day and say, we're all here for this kid. Yeah, and one of the things I love in my job specifically is my district is really supportive of restorative practices. What does that mean? Restorative practices are, um, I mean, it comes from like Aboriginal New Zealand culture Mm. where it's a system, it's less punitive and more communal for when some harm has been caused. Okay. So our, like, when you think about our judicial system, like if somebody breaks the law, Mm. they're just punished, but Mm -hmm. there's not necessarily an accountability Mm. that matches what they did. And the person who had harm caused doesn't often get a say in that conversation. So restorative practices, when it's operating at the best, um, it brings the person who did the harm with the person who had harm done to them Mm. to the same circle. And you sit down and you talk it out as a group. Wow. And that gives room for uh, accountability and ownership of what happened. Hmm. The person who had harm done can look the other person in the eye and explain what happened to them and how it impacted them. And the they can come together on a resolution of like what needs to happen next. So my district incorporates a lot of that into all of our processes. Hmm. And so I love when everything is going well. We sit down, especially 
and like our expulsion process, which I'm mm. a part of all the expulsion hearings for oh, my buildings. Wow, wow. We sit the student down and we ask them, what were you thinking? Mm. Like, what happened? Tell mm. us from your perspective, what happened? Mm. What were you thinking? Like, what have you thought about since then? And mm. what do you think needs to be done now? Oh, wow. And then we ask like either the school administrator or the parent, like, mm. what have you thought about since this happened? What did you think when you realized it happened? What do you think they can do to fix this mm. and make it more of a communal approach? Yeah. Wow. So when That's we're great. able to all come together with that common goal mm. and that common language and just the understanding of um, looking at every situation like a learning opportunity mm. and something that isn't necessarily needing to ruin somebody's life, but they can grow through, then it's really beautiful just to see the communal aspect of everybody coming to the table on the same side to try to fix a situation and to give a kid a better chance. Wow. I think that's so cool because you're really teaching kids emotional intelligence. Exactly. I mean, and especially in a day and age where kids like communicate through screens and text messages or social media, that's probably a really challenging but like a good challenging yeah for them to have to sit down and talk to each other face to face yeah it's beautiful it can be really hard but it's so beautiful to see it when it works well um and we use that not even just with our students but with staff and with families like when when there's a conflict pretty much across the board our district really embraces using that system because it does, it's so hard to hide behind things. I think our culture as a whole mm. is really comfortable mm-hmm. hiding behind a screen and being pseudo anonymous on the internet. Yeah. Um, but they're not as willing to have that same level of communication in person. Yeah. So to give them a safe place with a system and rules in place on how to do mm-hmm. it, I think it really does. It, I think it grows a lot of empathy. It yeah. teaches students so much empathy. It teaches people so much empathy when they have to look at somebody in the eye and either explain how they feel or what happened to them mm. or why they did something to somebody else. Yeah, wow. And I just love that process because I think we are lacking in that emotional intelligence, that emotional ability to communicate our emotions and that empathy piece. Yeah, wow. I mean, can you imagine if we did that as a society? Like, it would be <laughs> incredible. And I know you can't do it for everything, but how cool yeah. would it be if we had that regular, like, as a more normalized system? Right. Instead then you of... do see that person as a human, another human. Yeah. You can't, I mean, it's a lot harder to be angry at someone that is sitting right next to you. Yeah. You know? It's so hard to be mad at somebody or like hate somebody when you have a connection to them. Yeah. And it builds those connections and it kind of lets you see like, Oh, they're like me or, right. Oh, I can understand how this happened or why they thought that. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. What are some unique challenges that you think kids are facing today that maybe are different than when we were kids? Or, I mean, it could even be sooner than that. Like, just even before the pandemic a few years ago? Um, Well, I think the number one challenge is social media and cell Mm. phones and the screen thing. Um, I mean, aside from the science behind it, which I'm by no means an expert in neuroscience, Mm. they have proven that a lot of exposure to screens limits brain development. Sure. But on the other side, the social media piece, when we were kids, um, we had to worry about like what somebody said about you to somebody else in person or like maybe a phone call or a Mm. note but now kids can't get away from it there are so many opportunities for cyberbullying, for um negative behaviors there's so much 
anger and hostility on the internet. These kids don't have a break from it. They get it at school. They get it at home. And the hardest part, especially in my role, is that it's hidden from adults. Oh. We don't see what's going on unless right. they show us. Sure. And so much of it, like Snapchat or whatever, mm. is like designed to delete itself after a certain amount of time. Yeah. And so it's really hard. We don't know what these kids are dealing with. Yeah. And I mean, ideally, parents are monitoring mm. their kids' social media, but there's so many things happening that it's incredibly hard to do so. I think it's probably impossible sure. to monitor all social media access. Yeah, no kidding. There's so many new apps, and I mean, I feel like I'm not that old, but I feel old yeah. when I talk to younger people because I'm like, what's that social media app? I've had kids that be like, Miss, don't you do X, Y, or Z? And I'm like, no. I like I like My joke with my students, especially high schoolers, and they're like, Miss, don't you, aren't you on TikTok? Like, no, I was born in the 1900s. I don't <laughs> I am one. way too old for that. But I think that is a really unique thing that we didn't have to worry about. Yeah. And absolutely. then there's also, I mean, everybody has a camera in their pocket. So if you do anything embarrassing, the odds of Saved it going forever. away are yeah. low. Wow. Like when I was little, I could do something dumb. I could say something dumb. Yeah. And then like people would forget about it pretty quickly. Mm. But now those things are just there all the time. And I think that there's just such a negative um, sense of, like, the, it's the opposite of community online. Yeah. People are awful to each other, and these kids are really struggling with that. And they don't have mm. the emotional intelligence to get through that a lot of times, or they don't, ha- or they'll be so embarrassed. Shame yeah. plays so much of a role in that mm. that they keep it to themselves until mm. it really blows up in a bad way. Wow. Well, and I feel like that's why mentoring is so amazing is that you know, a kid can be in that kind of thing all day and then come and spend time with you, Sarah, and like (laughs) just have a blast and also be just reminded, you know, that they're, they're okay. They're a kid. Like, you know, just kind of be just like reminded, like they're a kid. They shouldn't be dealing with all those things. I think that we've seen a lot. So you also asked about since the pandemic, even I think a challenge is every single person in the whole world has been impacted Mm. by COVID And just by, I mean, culturally, so many things have changed. Right. And kids feed off of adult energy and emotions Mm. so much. Like, we are responsible for teaching kids Mm. their emotions and how to deal with those. And my, again, there's no research to back this up, but I think every single person is probably operating, like, between 10 and 30% more stressed out than they were prior to COVID. Yeah, totally makes sense. I think we could all probably attest to that and say, yep. Yep, That's like me. everybody's baseline has gone up. And can you imagine kids who are stressed out but don't know why they're stressed mm-hmm. out, but every single adult in their life mm-hmm. is at least 20% more stressed out and feeding off of that energy sure. and not having an understanding of it and not knowing how to cope with it um, and just not really even knowing what's next or what to be sure of yeah. or – and like – Adults, when they're stressed out, notoriously aren't great, you know? It gives a lot of chaos to the world, and these kids are trying so hard to figure it out, but the adults aren't able to help them as much when we're struggling, too. Right. So, I mean, you've done mentoring for a long time with Big Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and then more recently, Royal Family Kids, but still for the last several years. What's your mindset when you're going in as a mentor, knowing all that you do and all that they're dealing with um yeah I started Big Brothers Big Sisters 
oh my gosh, I don't even know. I was there for five years. So probably about 10 years ago, I did Big Brothers Big Sisters and did it for five years. And now I've been with RFK mentoring part for about five years. Mm -hmm. And I would say I just go in and try to remember that these are kids, Mm. that I can help them develop the skills that they may not be getting other places. I can hold them accountable in a loving way, Mm. and I can teach them how to handle situations. Um, Whether it's simple things like when we go out, having them talk to the adult at the, that's like a cashier if we're going to get a snack oh, or something that's a good idea. and making sure like hey use eye contact say please and thank you mm. like tell them what you want and giving them the ability to speak for themselves mm. and to build up that confidence and that's the other thing I love about mentoring is we don't use our phones um mm. so even if like, I've never actually I've never had to deal with a kid who had a phone um, but I, my phone stays in my pocket yeah. or in my bag the whole time. So mm-hmm. it's just taken off the table completely. Like we don't mm-hmm. mess with it. So we're in person engaging mm-hmm. eye contact mm-hmm. really directly interacting with one another, which I love. I think that it's so important to have that in-person communication and connection. And I just try to approach it and like I am a person who has the capacity to give time and energy and love to these kids who may not have it from everywhere else in their life. Mm. And it is a privilege to me to be able to go and just pour into their lives a little bit and to help them develop those skills. Wow. So that's kind of the way I look at it and approach mentoring. Like this is something I have the capacity to do and I can do. Man, I'm, that's amazing, Sarah. I get goosebumps <laughs> hearing oh. that. Um, I mean, I, I am just amazed by you because you have this you crazy stressful job throughout the week. I mean, it's like honestly a miracle if no one dies during the week, right? I mean, and you honestly, don't have to deal yeah. with that. And my first year in this role, we did have a lot of people die in our district. It was a crazy year. Yeah. And so that kind of became again, like social workers have dark humor. So that would be kind of our barometer for things like, How was your week? Nobody died. And it was a serious right. like a literal serious. yeah. Like but yeah, it is it's a great week when everybody's alive. Yeah, how so? How do you keep going? How do you? I mean, and then you volunteer and as a mentor on your spare time. Like most people, I feel would be like, no, I'm just doing Netflix for the rest of the. Well, I think mentoring is so fun, and I think with RFK especially, it's great because we always have an activity that we go and do, Mm. and it's uh, kind of adjusted so it's like a group mentoring program now. So I have Mm. one child that I match with, and we spend a lot of time together, but it's always a group activity. And I think it's just really fun to continue to see kids that I met at camp and build those relationships and to have the one kid who is mine to really pour into and yeah. to help her kind of socialize and get more confidence. It's It doesn't seem like a burden. It just seems fun. It's like a mm. fun activity for me. Like, that's awesome. I love hanging out with these kids. So it's a privilege. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's a long week. And it's like a full Saturday commitment. Yeah. But it's never – I never leave like – regretting going I've never regretted being a part of the program that's awesome so hard hard crazy hard week at work let's say someone does die it's the worst week ever how do you go back to work on Monday how do you keep going um I think I'm good at compartmentalizing Mm. which helps yeah I think that that helps a lot I'm really good at compartmentalizing I'm good at processing later when it is Mm. a little more distant and I don't have the like strong emotional reaction in the moment sure 
and I have reflecting on it yeah you are a little more calm yeah like when it's a little bit removed and I have a really great support network around me I have really wonderful friends I can like hang out with and Mm -hmm. talk to um my sister is a therapist and so we have kind of our own deal like where we're both in the mental health world and we have the acknowledgement that like we are neither of each other's therapists but we can Mm -hmm. process things really well together Because she's not just my sister, but she's, like, in the community, and she understands, and we can talk through things and offer perspective. And I think one of – what one thing I love about this job is even though I know I won't get to see a lot of the results Mm -hmm. of my work because my dream is to teach kids how to have healthy emotions and coping skills when they're little. Like, that's my ultimate Mm -hmm. goal in what I do. I want to work with these kids and help them develop those skills while they're young so that by the time they're an adult, they're just automatically generalized into their everyday life. Sure. So that they have Have those those skills. skills. Um, And I know that I won't know Mm. these kids when they're adults. I won't get to see that. But Mm. every single year, it's a whole new group of kids that Mm. I can start planting those seeds in and start building those skills. So even though I don't get to see the results, I know that I'm getting the opportunity to help and to share with so many children. And hopefully giving them the foundation for those skills that they can keep building on. Yeah. And I think that gives me a lot of hope. Seriously, that's amazing. And it's easy to go back after a hard week when, Mm. you know, there's a lot of other kids who need that support still. Definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that perspective that you really do have that long-term perspective of like, well, I might not see the results now, but I know that I am equipping them with these lifelong skills that I am teaching them communication skills that are going to serve them, you know, way down the road. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's, I have to, because if I got Mm. caught up in the everyday, like, business of it, it would be really discouraging because I don't get to see a lot of the positives, unfortunately, in this role. I am involved in a lot of negatives, but I take all the little victories and Mm. I celebrate those. And then I just know down the road that these kids will have skills that I helped instill and that will help improve their lives. Yeah. What does your own self-care look like, Sarah? Because I'm curious. Like, I mean, I know mentoring is, like you say, almost an outlet for you because yes. it's so fun. But what else What else is in your self-care routine? Yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, I mean, there's like small daily things like making sure I'm drinking water and not just mm. coffee every day. Yeah. Um, and prioritizing sleep, which I'm not mm. great at, but I'm still working on. And then other things are like just having something to look forward to, having friends, or, um, I mean, honestly, let's talk about the Backstreet Boys yes. now because <laughs> doing fun things like having friends that you have similar interests with and then mm. you can go see Backstreet Boys concerts and have the best night of your life at. Seriously, our- friends, we have to take a, a, <laughs> a diversion right now yes. because we bought tickets for the Backstreet Boys uh, in like right before the pandem- pandemic. Yeah, I want to say 2019. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, or like beginning of 2020, and it was supposed to be at the end of 2020. Of course, got canceled. So we're like, okay, 2021, it's gonna be great. 2021 gets canceled again for Thanks, COVID Omicron. in 2021. <laughs> so finally, two and a half years later, mm-hmm. after we had bought these tickets, I had totally forgotten even what seats we got oh my gosh and we walk up to the concert we finally get to see the Backstreet Boys we've been waiting for two and a half years I had literally had a kid since then (laughs) (laughs) it was not even on my radar two and a half years ago but now I have a infant child that I'm attending this Backstreet Boys concert and we were in the 11th row guys we got to see all of them like we could see their oh, faces man. we could see the shoes that they changed into every time their they did wrinkles, an outfit change their, their sweat <laughs> yeah it was incredible like 
Oh my gosh. And we looked forward to it for so long. Yeah. And, and it, it didn't disappoint at seriously. all. Yeah. It delivered. It, it was, was amazing. I was a little nervous that we had like blown it out of proportion. We were so <laughs> excited about this concert. On the day we were supposed to see them, we got together and watched YouTube videos oh, of other that concerts. Was so worth it. Too. And it was so fun. But then we actually got to be there and we were in the 11th row. And oh, it was the best. Surreal. Night. So, I mean, these were the guys on my first grade lunchbox. So dream come yeah. true these were like my middle school crushes a hundred percent I was so and my mom wouldn't let me see the Backstreet Boys when I was little so I had been waiting for this exact concert for two and a half years but oh, I had been waiting for like 20 really, years right to see them <laughs> so who is your Backstreet your favorite Backstreet Boys guy now Ooh. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, it's always it been Brian. It, well, it's always been Brian. <laughs> it's always been Brian. We did have an interesting revelation about Kevin and like, <laughs> why we didn't realize how old he was when we were young. <laughs> but it's always been Brian. I yeah. just have always loved him. And say Brian was always my favorite too. And yeah, when we were watching those YouTube videos of like their very first concerts, it was like, how do we never notice Kevin before? Wow, yeah. Kevin's wow, attractive. Kevin's so attractive. <laughs> and it's because we realized he's the same age then as we, we are, are now. now yeah all of a sudden kevin was age appropriate <laughs> which he never was when we were kids and the funny thing is that at the concert i was like oh i like nick a lot and i'm like that's because he's the closest to us than age yeah. now and he's nick was always my second favorite it was like brian oh, and nick yep. forever yep oh, and that still is so brian good. and nick so good so i just like to have things to look forward to um yeah. and i love like i mean on after a hard day at work, mm. like that alone time in my car, mm. whether it's like listening to a podcast or jamming out to the Backstreet Boys or yeah. some other music, just like prioritizing having mm. a separation of work and home yeah. in that car ride. But yeah, oh, the well, Backstreet Boys are a huge part of my self-care. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think it is easy. It's like when you are around so much despair and so much you know challenge that you feel like oh I can't laugh I can't you know have this outlet or fun because that's not fair because so many other people are hurting right but that Mm -hmm. actually doesn't help anyone it just makes you more burnt out and more tired and so you need to laugh you need to like scream out the Backstreet Boys in your car by yourself and I do and I (laughs) will say like one thing I love about working with kids is even on really hard days there's always something funny Mm. there's always something to laugh about they always say something ridiculous <laughs> or do something or just there's always something that you can laugh about when you're working with students. So I do love that. That helps a lot. Even on a bad day, I think I at least get a couple laughs in. That's good. And I feel like, yeah, you have to reflect on that and remember those laughs. <laughs> yes. And I get a lot of kids, uh, like all those different age ranges and all those different schools give me a lot of opportunities for funny stories and like witnessing those moments. Oh, I love that. Well, I also have to just pitch that you are the best hugger like in the world. Oh, thanks, you give Chelsea. the best hugs. Second to you. Oh, you also thanks. give a really good hug. <laughs> it is interesting though that like, especially during the pandemic when like no one was hugging, no one was doing yeah. anything. Um, there was so much, like you just felt so alone, right? Mm-hmm. You like... I just want to hug someone. Like, I feel like we'd like watch people hug on TV and we're like, oh, yeah. I miss that. I did. I had that acknowledgement somewhere in COVID where I was like, I miss hugs more than I miss like going out yeah. or doing whatever. I was like, I miss hugs. Yeah. Well, I want to say again, I'm, don't quote me on this, but I want to say that some psychologists said that you need like a 20 second hug mm. per day to like 
feel connected to someone. Yeah. 20 seconds if you count out a long Yeah, that's hug. a really <laughs> long a, hug. I mean, I feel like you and I give long hugs, but I don't think they're not 20, 20 seconds. seconds. Yeah, I've heard, I don't know what the numbers are, but I've definitely yeah. heard that too. Like you need to hug, you need a certain number of hugs yeah. per day and you need like one really long yeah. hug. Like, and maybe which, that could be your dog for a little while yeah. too. Like, you gotta like you can find different things, but yeah, I do love a good hug. So someone gives you a hundred thousand dollars to spend on your schools and your kids, your community. What would you do with that hundred thousand dollars? Because we all oh, know man. that schools are strapped for resources. Yeah, I the first thought I have, which is like not a great thought, is like, man, that hundred thousand dollars wouldn't go very far. Right. Um, but I, there's a huge lack of resources for specifically teenagers in mm. this community. There aren't a lot of opportunities, um, especially for low income families. Mm. There's not a lot of like low income sports or rec centers or mm. activity based things. And some of the ones that we do have are generally um, court ordered. Oh, sure. so there's just I would try to figure out some kind of youth program I'm not even sure what that would look like but I would really like to I talk to a lot of parents who are like man my kid keeps getting into trouble they need a positive outlet what is there Hmm. and I have to just be like there's not a lot yeah which is hard I hate having to say like we have a huge hole like a gap Hmm. in our services in this town Hmm. for teenagers and so I would try to come up with something for them Hmm. um just your everyday average teenager, not like a kid who's in the criminal justice system or mm. a kid in foster care. Like mm. they have more services, but our just everyday teenagers have a lack of things to do. And sure. that gives them a lot of time to do something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we expect them to stop doing X, Y, Z, but then if yeah. what are they going to do instead? Like yeah. that's their friend group that's Mm -hmm. you know what they do to get out of the home if that's a bad home situation yeah and I mean every teenager wants to do something that makes them look cool to their friends Mm -hmm. they want to be rebellious they want to get into some trouble I can't say I didn't do anything dumb when I was a teenager (laughs) but there's just not a healthy safe place for them to put all that energy into and so that's my number one thought and there's also in Colorado Springs there's only one place that is a substance use center for teens. Oh, wow. Um, because of insurance and everything, it's it's kind of risky to work with kids with substance use oh. issues. So there's only one, and it's private pay, and it's really expensive. Oh, yeah. So when you have a kid who does struggle with addiction or sure. substance use, it's there's nowhere to send them. Wow. And that's hard. So I would... Those are my top two things. Like, if mm-hmm. I had a lot of money and could create programming, it would be something proactive for teenagers mm-hmm. and some substance use center or treatment facility. That's awesome. I love that. Well, if anyone listening to this podcast has $100,000 and wants to pay Sarah to be the director of this new cool <laughs> recreational center, please hit me up. <laughs> I'd love that. Let me know. <laughs> um, so... If someone was interested in, like, getting involved in their community, you know, maybe they don't live in Colorado Springs, but they live, you know, somewhere. But we know Big Brothers Big Sisters is a national organization, Royal Family Kids. You know, what? where would they start? What would be your advice to them um, to start looking into that? I think you just have to figure out, like, where your heart is. So Mm -hmm. do you want to work with little kids? Mm -hmm. Do you want to work with teenagers? Do you want to work with that in-between group? 
Um, so and start kind of figuring that out. And then you there's so many options. Like you could go through the YMCA and do coaching for sports or mm-hmm. Big Brothers Big Sisters is all over the place. So it's the Boys and Girls Club. Royal oh, yeah. Family Kids is all over the place. Or even like local churches if that's your scene. Mm-hmm. Um, volunteering with the youth group or Sunday school mm-hmm. classes. Or if there is a community center where you live, getting involved in that level. There are so many places, but kind of just figure out where your heart is and then look into opportunities around that. I think that you can find a ton of different options for something that you can find as fulfilling and mm-hmm. serving your area and your community, especially the like youth of your community. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like the need is so great in so many different areas. Like you said, you work with K through 12 and then there's, yeah. you know, a need across all of those ages for mentoring, for, you know, a positive outlet, for a positive community. So really, they can just dive right in wherever yeah, they are. I think mm-hmm. it's really, I mean, it maybe it could even be overwhelming because there's so many options, oh, but just sure. kind of figure out like your thing, like, do you want to do something super active with kids? Like mm-hmm. then look into your YMCA or your mm-hmm. local community, like rec teams, parks and rec department, that kind of thing. Or if you are like religious, check with local churches mm-hmm. on their different opportunities or Big Brothers Big Sisters is a huge program and they always need help, especially men. I'm just going to put in a plug mm-hmm. in right now. Yeah. Men, every single one of these programs we've talked about, you are needed. There are a lot of kids who do not have a positive male role model mm. and who need that. It is proven that every people are more successful if they have both men and women pouring into their lives. Mm. And so if you are a man who has the time, the capacity, and the willingness to give back, please, please look into where you could serve your community with children or with youth because they need you. Love that. Yeah, and like you said, it can start small. It doesn't yeah. have to be a... 10-year commitment like Sarah has given, (laughs) um, which is just phenomenal. But, yeah. You don't have to do it forever, but, like, even little things. Mm -hmm. There's got to be somewhere that you're needed, that your gifts would fit into, Mm. and that your energy would be used in a productive way. I love that. Well, you heard it here first. (laughs) Men, go and volunteer your kids. Kids need you. They need that positive role model. They do. Women, you're needed, too. But men are rarely... Mm volunteering in the same numbers that women are sure yeah call them out (laughs) (laughs) so everybody is needed but men you're especially needed (laughs) love it well thank you so so much sarah this has been amazing to talk to you thanks you are just phenomenal keep going and doing what you're doing because you are making a huge impact in our community and um, i will be there for you when we have the next backstreet boys concert whenever that is (laughs) so thanks shanti it's been such an honor to talk to you (laughs) all right bye friends (laughs) 